Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the JRE Review. Got Todd in the studio. You sounded confused there for a minute, buddy. You okay? I forgot what <laughs> I was doing. Good morning. I wish I had notes. Morning pod. Cheers. We've got Russell Brand, Chris Stefano, both hilarious comedians, mm. both sweet and and kind of brutally honest. Yeah. In their Chrissy. own right. Chrissy's a sweetheart. C- Chris. Come he, on. I know. He likes Chrissy, though. Yeah. Yeah. But And Russell, obviously more political now, less comedian, comedic, but but the perfect combination on his show. He's been doing that, what, for two years now? Yeah. Anyway, that dude, Russell's was so legit. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it, dude. Let's go. You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your hosts, Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. Oh, Russell, Russell Brand. Mm, legend. How's my sound? Am I good? Yeah, you're right. good. Uh, cool, Doing man. God's work out there with his new media channel and Rumble. Rumble. Not in Bumble. The jungle. Rumble, Rumble in the jungle. You know, I, one of the biggest points, and I think it just shows, and there was so many. I mean, this is probably the most notes I've taken in any of our you know, however many podcasts we've done together now, Adam. Too many. Lots. And I appreciated how he's really leaning into his, how he feels. I mean, he he talked a lot about how he used to be kind of an anarchist. He obviously doesn't like authority. He obviously Mm -hmm. likes working for himself. And he talked about how it never felt, it never fed his soul. It always fed his ego as an actor, right? It was very... Like, oh, look at me. And, he, you know, he mentioned, like, in his childhood, he always wanted to have, he always wanted to be this kid that was seen, right? Because maybe he didn't get enough of that from his parents. Yeah. And he didn't go into exact reasons why that was, but he always wanted attention, right? He was seeking that attention, and acting helped him do that, but he realized pretty quickly that it was not him, and it wasn't his, his soul that was being fed. It was just this egotistical bullshit that he didn't like. Well, it's almost exclusive with stand-up comedians that eventually they lean so hard into that that they just say, hey, this is this is what I should have been doing. Yeah. This is what's pure. These TV shows are cool. Movies are cool. It's nice to get that attention. Mm. But the real art is like being out there on stage. You know, or just being yourself. I mean, he's not really... Basically go- that, yeah, right? He's not it's really going on stage a ton anymore, is he? Or is he starting to again? Oh, Russell? He, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. he's on stage... Yeah, he's performing a lot. He sells out massive um, theaters and you name it, stadiums. Did, did you see him on Bill Maher? I haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited to watch that. Oh, it was so good. Was it? Dude, his rants are legendary. He absolutely crushes it. And on there, he went into, um, I think it was an MSNBC guy. Mm. And he's like, yeah, I went on one of those shows. He goes, it's absolute nutcrackery. <laughs> Yeah, yes. brilliant. Malaki. Brilliant use of words. But he, what he really highlighted on Bill was that one side of the media will 
attack the other side, saying they're the fake news. That's yeah. all the propaganda. And you hear this a lot with people. I mean, one of my friends was doing that to me yesterday. He's just mm. like, oh, well, Tucker Carlson is, you know, and Fox News, they're just this propagandist. And then he sends me an article from The New Yorker. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so they're less of this? It's like... They're talking heads, dude. Exactly. You so know, he both makes sides. The, he makes the point that, you know, you're you're in one propaganda corner right throwing stones at the other one saying they're the bad ones as as if somehow it's any different right that's the problem and that and that's the problem with society right now and they go into a lot of that oh yeah you know everyone is so apathetic now and everyone's so scared or or there's a few things right people are apathetic because they're sick of it at least this i feel like the smarter people are and maybe we're not smarter but i feel like we're <laughs> i feel like we <laughs> we're know definitely not Maybe not us personally, but the people who understand that both sides are the same thing are smarter, in my mind. That's yeah. my opinion, right? I, I would say that that is like a higher level of understanding. Unfortunately, the, that's not turning into much of a change, right? And it's still people, and, and they, they spoke on this a lot of, you know, people fighting each other is what, is what the, you know, the left and the right want. Right, mm -hmm. so that they can keep on; these elites can keep on doing the same old, same old, and keep going to war and not really talk about real stuff. And instead, we're going to talk about purple hair and whose bathroom we're going to use. But that—that's why misinformation, in the real sense of it, not when they called out Joe Rogan for ivermectin and mm. said that's misinformation, which turns out that's perfectly oh, reasonable. And made him to yellow. Take and, made him yeah, yellow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Right. But like real misinformation hmm. like hey don't wear masks when the, the, you know fauci actually believes you you should one of those types of things like an actual lie that they know and then later they say something like oh uh you know fauci only said that because we wanted to keep all the masks just for the doctors and nurses we didn't want to run out it's like okay They're but that's changing. a lie every day they're changing shit that's still we got lied to right of course I mean, how how are you supposed to trust anything after you have that? The, the hardest thing for me, like through the time of COVID and like this kind of misinformation, is I heard smart people that I know mm. that I usually would go to for like good information saying things that to my ears sounded dumb. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out why. And I was like, oh, smart people can be dumb too. And I'm probably on the dumber end of dumb. But still, I was just like listening, going, I've never heard them make that type of mistake before with their thinking. It was like they were just trained out the door. It was cool that Russell talked about going back to L.A. Mm -hmm. I knew he had a place there. I didn't realize he hadn't been back for three years. So obviously, he's a rich guy. He probably has a dope house. And it's I'd imagine it's in Venice. Hopefully, or somebody's been in squatting the in there. Yeah, and he, he just... You know, there it was. It was left, and he said it was like a time capsule. No one's been in there, mm, you know, yep. or that's kind of implied, and then there was just, like, comedy writing and this and that. But his, his like, description of how it is now How it's in changed. LA, dude, it's so hard to put words to it, really. I mean, to just say, oh, yeah, LA's changed. And I, dude, it's a feeling. Mm. Like, I lived there four years in Santa Monica. Loved it. My favorite place I'd ever lived, beautiful, by the beach, comedy clubs everywhere, people having a great time. It's a wonderful area. And 
as soon as the COVID thing started and ever since then, for whatever reason, and obviously there were changes everywhere, like everywhere was uh, impacted by this. For some reason, it did not blend well with that place. Mm. And it's a feeling. It's like you get there, you just start looking around. It doesn't feel safe in the same way. There's just this odd kind of, I, I sound like a hippie saying it, like energy, right? It sounds better when he said it, but it's exactly that. Are people still wearing masks every day there? Is that a thing still? I don't know. I've been I in Montana for so long. I think just stopped. Wow. Yeah. That would that would drive me crazy. Oh, man. Well, there, look, there is so much here, but I think the the vibe and the, you know, the art, the overarching narrative is like... Don't trust media. Don't trust media, but things are changing, and there is some positivity, but, you know, if you're happy with your life, people, most people just want to be happy, and a lot of people... You know they don't feel loved, and they they end up leaning into this authoritarian ideology because they're scared, right? They're they're freaking out, and they need some direction. It's like the difference. He, you know, both Russell and Joe mentioned that the difference between having, uh, you know, a job where somebody tells you what to do all the time and not having a job that where basically you work for yourself is such a different mentality, right? Like a lot of people who work for themselves are just used to not trusting authority or not wanting that in their lives. And Russell's the same way. And he's obviously leaning into that more and being more honest with himself and how he feels. But there's this open-minded people are typically happy. And to me, that, that resonated. And it's like, yeah, people just need to open their minds up a little bit more because we are on the same side mostly other than a few things, right? Abortion, religion, there's a few things there that we might not agree on, whether you're left or right, but mostly, and this keeps coming up, we just are pretty much alike. We just want to be happy. Come on. So yeah, people just want to be happy, Adam. But I guess to end this point, the, the elites and the powers that be, you know, they were so scared of Bernie. It's almost like, they didn't. They would rather have Trump than Bernie, right? Because at least there's some manipulation they could still do there. They really, I think, the point was they don't want people to come together, and they saw people coming together under Bernie Sanders, and they want us to be at each other's throats. And it's this ongoing, you know, r- repetitive narrative that just keeps talking about everybody at each other's throats. That's what drives this freaking economy that's what's driving everything they want us to not come together so that's all i got man i feel like what russell really does and on his media channel when he reviews the news and when he talks on rogan when he comes on bill Maya is mar ma what he's doing is really highlighting that he's for people yes right yes he wants us to have as much truth as we can get yeah. And he wants to highlight the same people that sponsor all the news and media companies. He's yeah, he's just he, he's a libertarian basically, but he just wants people to know the truth, right? We just want to know the truth. Yeah. And you know, being claimed far right, I mean it's just such a silly thing to say. I mean, when people say Joe's far right, Russell's far right, he's gone crazy. No, no he hasn't. He's actually you're thinking he's gone crazy because he's speaking the truth, and the truth is crazy. Yeah.
The truth is crazier than the shit we're hearing. There was an article recently that said, we've lost Russell Brand. And you know what was interesting about that title? It's like, he's gone somewhere, is what it's implying, but also he was with us. And the reason they had to kind of put it, they didn't write something like, look at far right Russell Brand, because mm. he's so not far right not. and never will be. Never has that been. That you have to imply, oh, he was super liberal with us, probably more liberal than the person writing that article, but now he's gone somewhere else. Mm. That's the only way that they can kind of make a clickbaity bullshit. And the whole of article course. sucks. So clickbait. I was like, this is the worst dog shit I've ever read. It doesn't even make any sense. But one thing, one thing said that moves them away from the category. It's like you have to check every box now mm. to be a Democrat. Mm. And if you just say one thing, you're like, oh, no, I believe in everything that you say on the side. But also, yeah, I do like guns. Mm. Well, then you're far right. Right. Let me write an article. Let me put about you it. in a new box. Yeah. Let's get Chat GBT to write an article about you real quick. That reminds me to bring up the point about this the libertarianism and, you know, he spoke on this emerging political philosophy slash ideology that's part libertarian and also part like anarchist kind of, and how that could change. And, 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 you know, most, a lot of people want just to be who they are and not get, you know, messed with right like mm-hmm. they just want to be who they are they just want to be happy like i was saying earlier but this governing you know the more governing some people want more governing and these contentious issues being solved at a local government level right like i'm gonna go live here and do what i want you know maybe some of these communities will start popping up where it's like some communities are more governed locally some communities are more libertarian and people are more open and maybe I don't know, I, but it was it was fascinating to hear that he does feel that way. Like maybe there is this emerging thing, and it and it is because people are speaking the truth and wanting the truth and not trusting the elites anymore. And the elites are freaking out. They don't know what to do. Well, the fact that he has like five six million subscribers Dude. on YouTube is massive on Rumble. On Rumble, not YouTube, or both. No, no, he has that many subscribers on YouTube, but he moved over there because of demonetization. Right. So really, what people do now is just kind of often use YouTube as um, just like an advertising platform in a sense. Mm -hmm. And so people know how to find him. These videos will pop up. And then you know... Go over to Rumble. It's like, yeah, click on this link, go to Rumble, but here's also this link on YouTube. It's like, this is how much while they try and demonetize me. But it's just the fact that so many people are watching that stuff. And remember, this isn't like the late show that, you know, that those late night shows probably have as many subscribers on YouTube, but it's on every night in the week on television four hours right of course people have eventually found that show everyone knows what it is and then you click it on uh youtube and then it has these numbers how did people find out about russell he just started doing it people started sharing it Mm. it's like the rogan effect it's the beauty of yeah social media that can't be stopped it can't man it's very exciting what did you so this this one popped out at me and I really liked this idea and and Rogan talks a lot about this endless need to advance, right? It's like we got to get the newest thing and you know capitalism is just 
keeping this, the, it's just fueling this fire of endless, endless crap, right? And it was, it was fun to hear them talking about some sort of leisure-led society. Do you remember that? Mm. It's like where people have more time to create. We were talking about on the drive over here this morning of like, if we had free energy and we had, you know, a few other necessities, like we could grow our own food and had clean water, would we really need to work that much? Of course, capitalism doesn't work that way. That's the problem. Right. But people are so scared that if there's not capitalism, it's like it's like we'd almost want our world to end before capitalism ends. They point that out. That is fucking true and scary. No one knows the difference anymore. We don't know what it's like to not be capitalists. And everyone says, oh, this is the driving force and it's the best thing ever. Everyone thinks that way. Why don't we try something a little different? It's it right. It's like almost like people would rather see the world end than capitalism end. That was a crazy point. Yeah, that I had never thought of. Well, but when you've lived in a system your entire life, you don't know anything else. Yeah. You wouldn't even know where to begin. Well, start growing your own food and and potting your own water. And I mean, again, this brings us back to I, these old. The, I don't know what the answer is. Right. So much of it is like we can have those debates. Mm-hmm. philosophically, yeah. meaning if two people came together, they were like, what is the most perfect way to behave, period? And you, could, to, those two people could describe it. Mm. They could describe a human... Who are, wait, who are the two people? Well, just whoever's talking, right? Let's say it's, you know, they're coming to... Just people coming together, politicians, countries, whatever, and they're making, like, a structure, an ideology, like how you get fascism or mm. communism right. or democracy or capitalism it's just an or whatever ideology, yeah yeah and, and then they it's like these things are being tested mm-hmm. now some things in theory sound great i think communism was like that in theory before it was tested it probably sounded pretty good everybody gets a little bit of something it's all the same you get the same amount of you know all the resources whether you're a doctor or whether you mop floors and it's like, wow, that sounds really fair. And then, of course, in practice, it was it's ultimately been a disaster and how, everywhere. Yeah, how and a that, money grab, and it's right. a nightmare. I was going to say, how does that become corrupt? It's always greed. Of course. No matter what ideology. But, but think of the irony there. If you're running through all these theories and somebody suggests capitalism, and someone's like, well, how does that work? Well, the people that work the hardest get the most money, or people that you know are just... You know, good with their money, passing it down to their kids, and then it creates this like elite system. And if you would take a step back and be, you would just be like, "That sounds terrible. Let's not do that." Well, when there's no checks and balances, right? When 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 monopolies take over and and governments take over and start working with with the largest companies on the planet, and they're being corrupt and they're lying, then everything changes. That's no longer capitalism. Yeah, that's totalitarianism or or uh, an oligarchy, right? Yeah, that's just it's crimes. Just different. That's not really how capitalism is it's, supposed to be going. Like you still have laws that govern it. There's no right? checks and balances anymore, right? There has to be checks and balances. Russell talked about um, a Pavlov and the dog experiments. Well, not the dog ones, but another experiment similar, and. Uh, I found it pretty interesting. It was like the bottom 20% of people 
can be like hypnotized, right? They're highly mm. susceptible to propaganda, what they're being told. That. It was just the bottom 20? Well, highly. Oh, gotcha. Then like quite susceptible is, is kind of the middle 60. So that brings you to 80%. Mm. And then there's 20% of people that can't be hypnotized, aren't falling for your shit, are pretty stubborn and probably quite suspicious yeah. of things that they're told and whatever. Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes a lot of sense, those numbers. It really does explain how COVID could have worked like that. Mm. Well, they, so many people were just immediately on board and went with it. Right. And and I'm not saying I wasn't at first. I was 100% there too. I think too. we all were. We were scared. Yeah. You know, this had never happened to any of us. I mean, well, when was and, the last time? The bird flew in 1918? And it also seemed very responsible to be, like, I didn't have enough information. I'm mm. not a doctor. I can't assume that I know how to just i'm not that suspicious yeah. of the institutions that are in place it wasn't then maybe <laughs> yeah it just it, it had to be like overwhelming and kind of alarming but you know as it played out it was like it may, almost a year in and you would still see people that were like day one converted and it's like hey have you not noticed are you still washing packages <laughs> yeah I, look, man. That's it, 80% of people, though. It makes sense. That means yeah. always there's 80% of people out there. And, the, and this is what's interesting. When I was talking about how a smart friend of mine was like, you know, reflecting onto me what seemed dumb, I'm like, oh, this isn't an intelligence issue, maybe. It's like he might just be in that bottom 80%. That he's just, just believes. Yeah, he's just susceptible. Yeah. Regardless of how many books he reads and how clever he is, he just writes his own narratives for why he should believe it and goes with what he's told. People want to behave. They want to follow rules. Yeah. I mean, this the punk rock ethos that was kind of in the 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 banking system, right, when we were all against Wall Street there for a while, right? And everyone was protesting. And then all of a sudden, those same people became the ones that told everyone to wear a mask, which just seems very strange to me. Somehow there, there was this change in ideology, right? Yeah. And, and, and they talked about the placebo effect as well, right? That was even a higher number, that uh-huh. people were susceptible to placebos. Uh-huh. And it's like, if you, can, if you tell someone and they think that you're telling the truth, they're going to believe it. And then they're going to do good by... I don't want to get other people sick, right? It became this this thing like, oh, if you're not doing it, you're a bad person. Instead of, you can do what you want. And typically, a lot of people on the left are okay with that. Do what you want. At least I would think, or at least maybe that's the old left. I don't know. They, they used right? to be. Do what that's you want. That's why I always liked it. Do what you want and yeah. fuck authority. Yeah. It's like the idea of liberalism. They're, being, so, they're liberal about what to believe and think and do. It's almost like we need, you know, four or five different parties now because people have changed so much and well, things have gone so Let's just know, get do, start with three. Let's start, get one more. Okay, libertarian though, let's go. Yeah. But that, that's definitely what Russell is. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with At him, this dude. point, I mean, it, it's like centrist thinking but also having suspicion for government and corporations and, you know, people with a lot of money. I think that's totally reasonable to do. I Yeah, I agree, man. We need to radically change everything, that's for sure. Something needs to change mm-hmm. radically, though. Not just like a little bit, but if we're not getting the truth in the media 
and we're searching for it online somewhere else, those types of people need to come together and start talking, right? Well, remember what he said about the, um, what was it, like the, the guy that wrote that book, the CIA guy? In 2001, information had doubled. Mm. Like how much? Just from the internet. Yep. Just wow. like basically like, like stored text and data had doubled, doubled in a period when? of time. Like within a like, five, ten year period or what was the period? Yeah, I don't know. I think it was like maybe a decade. Or, hmm. But either way, it was a fast, right? So now you're looking at like a kind of like an orgy of information. There's just too much There's to too much. sift through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like probably the quickest way to really confuse someone. I mean, th- look at it this way. If you give yeah. somebody two options, right, a, a solution to a problem, and you give them two, two potential solutions, mm-hmm. if they're both wrong, there's still a good chance that the individual could be like, well, I'd look at the two, and I, I'd notice that they don't work. I was able to think about them both, and that's it. Well, now you give them 50 options, and even the right one is in there. Or maybe multiple right ones. There's just too much to work through. Well, and not only that, no one is working through those things. Even if you want to. I mean, no. Russell Russell may, might be. He does it. Right? You but just get the, set, sent something on Instagram, yeah. and you're like, oh, that's funny, and that must yeah. be the truth. And then you find out that video was doctored, and it's all bullshit, but... You didn't have time to check it because you're busy. And now AI is going to be doing it and deep fake. And I mean, it's going to get crazy. It's going to get weird. It's going to get really weird. Yeah. Oh, man. You got to you got to be a value to other people. And Russell is showing his value by, you know, whether you like what he's saying or not, or you believe in what he's saying or not. It sure seems to me like he is just trying to get at the truth. Mm-hmm. And... You know, am I fact checking all the things he says? No, but I, you know, I don't have time for that. Sorry. And yeah. what fact checkers are actually not biased? I don't know. I don't know. I have started using DuckDuckGo. I'll give a shout out to that because that seems a lot less biased than Google. It's a good system. So, do you want to get into the masculinity? Yeah. Let's play a little clip and, well, let's play the clip and we'll talk about it. Okay. New Age spirituality is regarded as somewhat feminine and is certainly by and large commodified. It becomes about, you know, purchasing a pair of leggings, purchasing a dream catcher or a crystal. It doesn't have that aspect of discipline that is about the ability to prioritize your spiritual state over your physical state. Yes. This is the deeper reality, what's happening in here. And when you start bringing up interdimensional travel and psychedelics, you start to recognize, yeah, no, this is an important space for me. Interesting, too, the way that the arguments around sex and gender have altered, because for you know like the uh, Andrew Tate phenomena has been an interesting one but I've heard you talk about the sort of you know and certainly while they're outstanding crimes I certainly wouldn't comment in on any of those things and how they might play out but if you leave a space in the culture where masculinity can be sort of embraced loved revered celebrated then different models are going to emerge that yes. take up that territory rather than looking at the masculinity isn't solely ugly it just shouldn't be connected to misogyny masculinity misogyny it it shouldn't be that in somehow or another you in order to be masculine you have to hate women that's just so ridiculous it's so all right well we had to cut that off but you guys get the point and that's this is something that 
it needs to be highlighted over and over. Almost everything that is discussed about masculinity online is quickly being connected with misogyny. Yeah, which is not true. Doesn't make sense. The, the, I mean, the, the one person that really navigates these waters well is Jocko Willink. I mean, it's just because of who he is. I mean, to be um, a military guy, giant, talk about jujitsu all the time, mm-hmm. you know, really represents what like a strong man is. Yeah. And you, you just can't connect him to like something like misogyny. Not at all. But, and, and I can see that how in a society like ours, with all of this information and the way people are changing and talking online and just uh, the differences, I can see how some people would think that masculinity is a bad thing, whether they think it's misogynist or not. You know, like being strong, being driven, being masculine, right? Having muscle. And I don't even, th- I don't think that Russell and, and Joe you know, think of it that way, like masculinity means muscles. They, they mean driven and powerful and, and maybe authoritative, right? Or like just comforting. Like I look at masculinity, it's like, and I'll just give a, a personal example, right? This last month, I didn't have a ton of money. And it was maybe, there's been a few times where my wife has, she helps with a lot of bills, but she, you know, paid for our mortgage this last, last month. I felt like a piece of shit. That is somewhere in me. That that was like a masculine thing, or maybe traditionally masculine. I'm not sure what masculinity means now. Like provider energy. Provider, right? So when I think of masculine, I think of provider. I think of comfort. I think of like it's going to be okay. You know, like you want to sometimes, and and again, it's okay to be uh, emotional. There can be emotional masculinity, and I think that's where where Joe and and Russell have maybe shifted their ideology when it comes to being masculine, right? At least I know I have. Mm-hmm. It's like being being emotional and openly emotional is actually more masculine than anything I can think of as being vulnerable. Yeah. And that's not getting talked about enough. Well, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it's more masculine. It's no. Just, it's, but it's, it can be as well. But... But that's a new that's a new masculine though, right? Because before it was dr- we don't talk about our feelings. We're driven. We're yeah. mas- we're men. But I there's still a place for like the reason uh, I I think the misogyny thing comes out like someone's strong. Yeah. You know, or they work really hard or they're super driven. It somehow gets connected with competition and outdoing others maybe mm. by force or maybe by like economic advantage through kind of your grind and your hustle it's like this competition aggression that's connected right this is where they're like this is bad Mm -hmm. however that's super useful and people should have it and it should be encouraged i'm not sure how misogyny is 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 being uh, yeah i'm not sure if i'm following that as far as like being driven and being uh competitive I, I don't see that as misogynist, misogynist. no I'm, I'm saying it's You're not saying masculine yeah, yeah i'm saying it's not at all but yeah. the, these things get connected it's like you know you're you're a meathead all of a sudden right and it's this aggressive tendency like even going to the right. gym but that's toxic masculinity right so there's a difference right and i think i think what yeah. you're saying is ma- it's getting pooled like the traditional masculine that that term masculinity is getting pulled into toxic masculinity, yes. right? 
That's the problem. It's and like and they, misogyny. They just pick any, right. like, these different parts and make them seem bad. And then, you know, almost like encouraging other men to stay away from those certain behaviors that are well, actually useful. But let's, yeah, but let's be, let's be definitive here. Being aggressive and violent is bad, right? I have a temper. That's bad. I don't, I don't like that about yeah, of myself. Course. Of course. And, you know, historically. But being physically strong and capable is not, or com- trained with jujitsu is not. Right. Completely different. And I think that's where these terms are getting skewed, right? That's the point. And, you know. And it's and it's not getting talked about enough. It's not. Um, so yeah, you know, you know, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, I don't want to say it's tough to be a man because I don't think it is. Um, but that, that I hear that a lot too. It's like, oh, you know, it's tough to be a boy these days. And I, what is it? I don't believe that. No, I think it's okay. It's still a man's world, unfortunately. I don't believe boys that. Boys to be masculine yeah. and women to be feminine. Yeah. And if they choose to do something else, mm-hmm. you know, then you, you don't have to turn either of those things into something that's bad. Right. Like, that's, that's where it gets confusing. Yeah. And, you know, I I think it was cool the way Russell kind of broke that down. And, of course, Joe has a lot to say about it. It's just like, it's becoming the enemy over there. Uh, all right. Let's finish up with and Russ. Do you have anything just, else Let's just say that, Russ? well, you know, misogyny means a prejudice against women, and obviously that is horrible, right? Yeah. There is, there, there is no correlation, really. It, toxic mas- masculinity, maybe, yes. But masculinity and misogyny, so different. Mm-hmm. So anyway, anything else about Russell? I, I mean, I have a ton. I could go on and on. But. I have a million notes. I think I think we covered um, it. It's a great conversation. Like, definitely go and check it out. I think the Energizer, ba- the battery thing was was a oh, point to bring yeah, up. Oh, yeah, the anxiety. Yeah, man. Like, if you can't tell your mind to quit, right? And obviously, Russell has this, this I don't want to call it a problem. My mind does this a lot, too, where it just won't stop, right? I can't sleep sometimes because my mind is going and going. Or I cut somebody off without even thinking I'm doing it because my mind is thinking about, mm-hmm. you know, something next to say. And Russell is Russell and Joe kind of both have that, Russell more so. But talking about how he, Joe has to, and he said it over and over again, he has to work out every morning. He has to get in that cold pool every morning. And the, he has to get rid of that anxiety through working really freaking hard, you know, physically. And Russell agreed, and he didn't talk about... Russell didn't point out as much stuff that he does, but he agreed that, yeah, there's something innate within us as humans and how we've, you know, changed. You know, obviously a lot of changes have happened, but but genetically and physically, those changes, like anxiety comes up if you don't get that energy out of you. It's like, I wish they had described it as like an infinitely recharging battery. Mm-hmm. Because if you think of a battery, it's just a thing that slowly runs out of Charges, power. Yeah, run, even, yeah. yeah, runs out of power if you don't do anything. That's yeah. what a battery is, right? Mm-hmm. Charging it up is like really where this, it, 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 it's almost better to say it's like a pressure cooker that's constantly building pressure and you've got to release that valve you've got to calm it down you've got to release that valve constantly and it's yeah. like you go into the gym and you release it and it's hard and so often it's like okay rogan is way more disciplined than i am with workouts so i do my best i get in there often i rarely will miss like a whole week 
I doubt he misses. He had to take a day off. He probably hasn't missed a couple days, two maybe. days in a row in twenty five years. Like it doesn't he seem like it from but, the way he talks about it. And I, I almost am. Yeah, I'm jealous of the fact that I don't understand that process as well as him. Mm. I think to myself, I can miss a certain yeah, amount of days. Yeah, you talk yourself out of it, or just get off my routine, and somehow I'll be okay. And it's never that way. You never feel. Never. Better by skipping a day. Never, yeah. ever, ever, ever. You can, like, I can straight up go off the rails if I miss two weeks in a row. All of a sudden, I'm just, like, basically acting kind of nuts. Yeah. I'm just so amped up. Right there with you, buddy. Yeah. I mean, I do it maybe a little differently. I go snowboard in the mountains, but, yeah, it has to be done. You, you got to have that release, And that's right? the thing. It it's doesn't different. have to be... Though that's a good workout, Working too. out. It doesn't have to be working out. Maybe it's just getting outside, taking a walk. <laughs> You know, or meditating. You know, I think Russell pointed that out quite a bit. It's like for him, it's kind of like meditating or doing the yoga or chilling. Yeah. So anyway, great, great conversation. I so would good. Definitely. We could go on all day. Let's, that was a great one. We could go on all day. One of my let's, faves. Let's jump over to Chris, to Stefano. Also, super sweet guy, super honest. 25% homosexual. Well, he brought it up plenty of times, which was awkward. It's he like, wanted to are, kiss Joe. I, I was like, how much whiskey have you had? Jamie so? on a date. I think I know, he was drinking right? tequila. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- he's he wants to be the protect our rivers guy. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. I don't know. I think I think Joe was a little scared by the end. He wanted to jump in his bed with him and, and go on you know, a date with Jamie and sleep over at Joe's house. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Way to go, Chrissy. You, he's you're brilliant. just hilarious. He's I cannot brilliant. see him being a physical therapist, though, because wasn't he saying he, he grew up... You know, obviously, you grew up in what Long Island or in Jersey. I think so. Yeah, um, kind of Italian. Funny, family. funny guy, but hadn't, but didn't really turn to comedy until later in life. What is he? He's like thirty-eight, a few years younger than us. Yeah, I think so. Um, and what did what did he say he's done? Like fifteen years of comedy or yeah. PT comedy? Okay, is that what it was? I didn't write that down, but yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, you know, so he's not new to it, but he's like coming into his own. You know, he's a hilarious guy, for sure. Yeah, super openly vulnerable, which I appreciated. Very honest yeah. dude. I mean, maybe other than his, like, if he's gay or not, he, he doesn't seem to be have a clear idea of that, but who cares? I think he was just it, being silly. Yeah, I think he was, too. Yeah. But, you know, there was just this there was just this openness about the guy that was very relatable and authentic and cool. And he's doing well. He bought a watch, and he was, like, <laughs> kind of worried that he was showing off with his watch. He was like, this isn't me. I don't yeah. know about this. Well, I I did like when he took off his glasses and he's like, "These aren't even real glasses." Mm, I mm. just I, I want to tell the world. <laughs> it's like what a strange <laughs> announcement. Again, he was he cracks being me funny. up, dude. He was being funny for sure. And there was a lot of there was just a lot of vulnerability and and goofiness and openness, which was great. It, it made me really appreciate that guy. I want to listen to some of his uh, comedy specials. I think I've only seen one, and it was from a while back. I feel like he should bring his dad on, too. Yeah. He talked a lot about his dad and his mm-hmm. dad's lessons. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, wild guy, you know? Yeah. He be- beat some people up, but he, like, had... Had some advice for him. That was a little crazy, beating the beating the mom's boyfriend up for dumping him who lived across the street. Or not for dumping, but for, for screwing the lady across the street. Yeah. And, and Chris was, what, 15, 16? So what would that have been, like mid-90s? I mean, could, could you just... I, I think, mean, yeah, would people early, just beat up their neighbors 90s, in the early mid-90s? Early 2000s, maybe. 
I mean, this would have been early 2000s. What, we graduated high school in 2000. That yeah. would have been 18, so, so we're 17, 18, 16, he was like, 15. So, yeah, like 2000, 99. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. Wild. Things were a lot different 20 years ago. Yeah. But identifying, like, some of his patterns with with uh, gambling mm-hmm. and, like, giving it to Chris, like, hey, you're going one step too far. Like, enough is enough. You're doubling down. Right. You're doing things that I do. It, like, helped him stay but, a long way from gambling right. just in case because he knows that that could really, like, fuck But he started doing it with relationships and women. Right. Right. Which I was mean, the if same thing but a different uh, I guess area. if you have, like, some sort of addictive personality, quote, unquote, yeah. you're going to find a way to express it even if you stay away from actually drugs, alcohol, and gambling, you're, you're going to lean into it somewhere. It's, it's just a behavior, there right? There seems to be a gene, right? An addiction gene, for sure. It's like what they talk about with even with uh, alcoholics. You know, If it's in the family, it seems to be stay in the family. Yeah. And I look, I don't know. I'm not a doctor or a, or a geneticist. Is that even a word? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know, I'll, I'll start out with this. The all criticism is the tragic result on, on unmet needs, right? I, I'm just segueing here because I wrote that down, and that was something that Joe has been talking about a lot. And I love how Joey, or sorry, uh, Chris, said, Joe, you got any good quotes? Just I know you're Joey quotes. You're Joey, Joey quotes. You're a Joey quotes. But he, he, he seemed to really want to learn from Joe, which I always appreciate when guests come on and really kind of turn it around on the, on the host. Yeah. You know, it, it's just nice to hear. And we've heard a lot of Joe's philosophies and just it's, the way it's he thinks. Probably but it's probably kind good. of a bit daunting, especially for new comedians coming up, that Joe has got to know yeah. and has maybe even like, opened them up to like opening for him or just giving him a segment somewhere. It's like people have known how famous and a big deal Joe Rogan is in that Mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. Then they come on the pod and it's like, you know, you're starting to see this more and more with the UFC, right? Mm -hmm. People that are fighting today were like born after Rogan was already doing the UFC. Yeah, Like think about that. Yeah, So they've been... They're young. Loving fighting their entire life and always seen this person. So it's almost like he's just interviewing them after they've won and they're a bigger fan of him. Mm-hmm. It probably is a little daunting to be on it that is. show. It is. And you you see him, even with Russell. We And this is one thing we didn't talk about with Russell, but just like how calm Rogan speaks. Yeah. Nice and slow. And it really stands out when you speed up the podcast. If you listen through Spotify and speed it up. Well, you can't speed up Russell Brand. Yeah. Too fast. Too fast. Not even 1.2x. He's calm with like how he's... He keeps a cadence. Yeah. And I think that helps the guests, right? It calms them down. And I think Chris is like looking to learn from like, how did you do this? Like, yeah. how did you set this up? Why you? Why do you seem not as anxious as I am mm. often? I mean, when he talks about how anxious he is, and, and, and Chris didn't do it so much this time. He did it more the time before he was on Rogan. Mm-hmm. But it was, it's almost like crippling how yeah. anxious and full of anxiety he gets. Sounds like maybe the fasting and stuff helped a lot, though, at least, at least body image-wise, right? Mm. Like, Seems to at least helped a little, but yeah, he didn't go into it as much as he had in the past. Yeah, he certainly added some good discipline to himself to be like kind of more structured through 
like how he goes at things. I like how he mentioned at, on his show and even he, to bring his dad back into the picture, how his dad told him, dude, you don't need to do two shows here. Just do one. Right. Do it right. Yep. You know, what are you doing? Now, don't let your ego get in the way. And of course, Joe is, is always that way as well and seems to be very good about not letting his ego get in the way, just trying to do the best he can and not making it be about money. And to Stefano, it kind of seemed like maybe he was getting caught in that ego for a little bit and scared and, and almost went that route, like, oh, I got to do two shows. I got to fill them both up. And, you know, and even even just feeling bad, I mean, you can tell he feel, he felt bad about, like, charging $25 for people to take photos with him. It's just not his personality, nor is his personality to fill up the Madison Square Garden twice. Yeah. Was it at Madison Square Garden? Or no, wherever he was he, playing at? He Sorry. Just, it had a theater somewhere. Like a, a good but it was amount, a home, like a big place. But it was in New York. So yeah. it was a home home you know, home turf. Yeah. And so I liked hearing that, right? It's like it's just this authenticness that come seems to come out in a lot of these conversations, it's, especially with comedians. It's probably hard though when you first start getting big. To not take on those shows, of course, you know, in the way that like your agent is saying, right? Like, obviously, your agent's getting ten percent or whatever they get yeah. paid. Agreed. But but you're just like, wow! I just made all this money, and I could do it again. It's only one hour. I could do it the next night. I mean, yeah. here's the thing: Rogan, I think, would have. I think what it sounded like to me is he answered it in two ways. He was proud of the philosophy that um, De Stefano's dad gave him. And it's mm-hmm. like, yes, stay away from these traps that ultimately are a problem. But I also think Rogan was like, uh, also, why not just do the other show? Lean into it. Get paid. Yeah. I, I mean, know? if you can fill it up, yeah, why not? I think, he, yeah, he's looking for that answer, yeah. maybe. He's like, it's just one more hour and yeah. you could do it. But the point that De Stefano was making was, like, important. And it was kind of explicit to the structure of a behavior that ultimately could cause some issues for him right it's like leaning into greed so it was cool that he got to see that early Mm. you know early in this like comedy development he doesn't have to be like okay i've got this and now i need twice that now i need four times that now i need bigger it's cool to be ambitious and it's important you should be but just let that happen well it was cool to hear him talk about hiring other people to do social media because that was really bugging him and he was getting wrapped up in in social media oh i'm if this guy's doing it this way i need to do it this way and he just seemed a little unsure uh-huh. he, he seems still seems a little unsure of himself right the confidence is not fully there no i think sometimes you can see it like probably when he gets on stage right yeah um you know when he tells that cat joke about his mom's dog or with the, his mom's dog i've heard that one in the past uh-huh. it's so freaking good so good <laughs> they give He's him they give him electrolytes instead of <laughs> instead of the drug to kill the dog that they, they didn't euthanize it like here's some electrolytes a fucking what was the dog's name frankie or something I, yeah i can't remember anyway he you know he's very confident when he's telling that joke and mm-hmm. when he's when he's in his element but you could you could sense a little bit of this unsure uh, Chris. Yeah, right? but I, I think... Which this, everybody's like that, Of right? course. But this vulnerability that he does and doing it on such a big platform too yeah, yeah. is I think that that's ultimately confidence building. Mm. I think that's how people... like. This is kind of how Joe has become a very confident, like strong man. It's because he had these conversations with himself early on 
it, and it was like this reflective process. Mm. He didn't pretend he was something else. He was just like, okay, I feel this way. I'm nervous about this. This is difficult. I struggle with this. And and by being clear about it, he's able to move himself to a different position. And it's probably a big part of like why Chris talked less about anxiety this time. Maybe mm. he's like probably a bit less anxious. I Life's going so. good. I he's got so. some. He's got. Nice watch. watch and some, gotta watch. Some, some glasses. Love it. Love it. Let's finish with Mickey Mouse voice. Oh, yeah. Mm, oh, train derailment. Was Palestine. Weird. Yeah. Where's so, that coming from? So people are getting Ooh. this, like, what is it? Like a throat chest infection? Something from the water they're drinking, or the, maybe it's just breathing in the air that has full of so many toxic petrochemicals. Yeah. And now they Ugh. sound like Mickey Mouse. And they have to live with this. Yeah. I don't know if it's permanent. Why isn't that on the news? I feel like, you know, okay, so they're not really talking about this on the news. Of course not. That's Which is really freaking scary. But you're not going to be able to cover that up? There's millions of people up there. I mean, Teflon covered it up for a long time until what, the movie came out 20 years later about cows dying from drinking the water and this and that. Did you see that film? Uh Uh-uh. About Teflon and DuPont? About frying pans? Oh, yeah. Just Teflon, you, you know, the chemicals used, and I'm getting off track a minute, but it's the same thing, really. Petrochemicals yeah. foaming up the water, and it, they don't go away, right? Because it's plastic, and it's oil, and it, it right. doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't no. biodegrade. That's the fucked up thing. Yeah, all I would say is if you guys are listening from that area, our hearts go out to you. Seriously. I'm sorry that happened to you. It sounds awful. Um, our email is in our bio, shoot us an email and tell us what it's like if you are living there or what you're doing to like prepare for it or, it, you know, do you know anyone that has Mickey Mouse voice? And can you, have, do you have enough money to leave the area? Because I sure, I feel like I would. If I was there and if I could get out of there, I would get the heck out of there, get man. It. Go to Florida. Somewhere. For a bit. Watch out for gators. Uh, it's, yeah, it's sad. It was a good week. Good week of pods. Ladies and gents, thank you so much. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you next week, guys. See you next week. (laughs) 